0: Yeah, the welcome meal, if you've sort of not been on one, we really do encourage you to come to the welcome meal because it, as well as all the things that Dylan said, it does. It sort of just sort of gives you that picture of what makes us tick. What is the DNA? What is the the vision? What is behind Capoglady? Who are we really? So um, just wanted to add that in. Um, yeah, next Sunday. So here we are, everybody, in week four of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and we're sort of looking at how we grow up and how we grow to become more like God. You know, one of the main desires for us here at Capel Galedi is that we want to move, we want to grow, we want to follow Jesus better, we want to turn away from kind of the way that we do things and maybe the way we've been taught in the past um, by our parents or school or just community, just society, and move towards where God is taking us to. More mirroring, mirroring, it's a hard word to say, how Jesus lived his life. And you know, the truth is, And I don't care who you are, I think this is true. I'm going to put that out there, that I think this is true. We all can get caught up, can't we, in um, what I call stuff and people call baggage. The loud voices that are, are out there in the world and in society, but not just out there. I think it's so easy to talk sometimes about external things, but also those voices In our own heads, those voices that we listen to that actually are ours, and um, the Bible puts it much better than stuff or baggage, and the Bible, um, Paul in um, the book of Romans talks about the flesh, and I think we've got Romans 8 um, there on the screen. Yep. and I'm just going to pick up verse 6 there. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. And I don't know about you, um, I want to be governed by life and peace. So um, it carries on. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So that's kind of the the introduction, that's kind of the background of of where we're going with this. So today, let's sort of get in there a bit more deep. What are we looking at today? The title, as you might have seen on the, the first slide, if it's okay to go back to the first slide, yeah, Enlarge Your Soul Through Grief and Loss, which I don't know about you, it kind of feels a bit heavy, that, it's a bit, ooh, what the heck. Um, It's a bit heavy. It's also a bit massive. Um, There is no way in a million years that we are going to sort of think about this and study all this in 25 minutes or so. It's a huge, huge uh, theme. But I think that a lot of our present day, or any day, to be honest, but certainly currently, stresses and anxieties... It's rooted in some of what we're looking at today, in these difficult things uh, like loss and how we cope with loss and limit in our life. So we're going to consider today how God wants to teach us to grow and move through loss and limit and become bigger, wholer people. Which put simply is, is more like Jesus. So I offer you today three statements. Okay, we're gonna look one by one at these three statements and hopefully so everyone will hear something from the heart of God today. So number one, we have got in life we lose. Yeah. Number two, in life we're limited. And number three, through life, we're enlargened. Now, I did really hope that the word was enlargened because it would really satisfy my um, like of alliteration, which is having, you know, the same letter. So, I'm a bit of a wordy geek. So, if it was loss, limit, enlargened, I'd have been very, very happy this morning. But, hey, it's enlargened, so we're going with it. But we can just say the enlargened bit really loud, and then it sounds like it's an L. As well. Okay, so let's look at number one. Life, in life we lose. It's true, isn't it? No one's going to argue with me, I don't think, that life is full of loss. And you know, some of the loss that we experience as, as human beings is, is a matter of change. So we go through seasons in our life Transitions, if you like, from childhood to adulthood. And each time we move, we're having to leave something behind. We lose something. So we lose something when we go from childhood. We're not a child anymore. Then we lose our youth. Then we sort of lose our, well, (laughs) as you get a bit older, you lose the color in your hair. You lose your sight. This kind of thing. So... Transitions are some kind of loss. We're not talking about where's my keys, which always used to be with John. It's a lot better with that now. But you know, where's my keys? Oh dear, where did I park the car when I come out the supermarket? Not that kind of loss. That's just forgetting, really. But we lose things. We lose familiarity, don't we? As well, we can lose a job. We can lose a friendship. Maybe a lifestyle. Maybe a house that we really love. Um, I can hardly believe I'm going to say this because we lo- live in a fantastic place now. But I loved my old house too. And there was something of a grieving in having to leave that behind. And you know, some of these kind of changes and transitions, they're not necessarily catastrophic to us. But what about Dreams. That's massive, to lose a dream that has really been there for a long time, a dream of something we've longed for. It might be the dream of of a certain career, but for whatever reason, that's just not going to happen anymore. It might be to be married or to have children. It might be certain things for your children, certain dream you have for them to become and to do but maybe they've got an an additional need and you know that that is never going to be a reality it's a loss and then of course we lose people we lose people through death through divorce um, through health through things like miscarriage and infertility and relationship breakdown. And they are all loss. And we can find ourselves thinking, life just didn't turn out how I thought it would be. This isn't the life that I was supposed to lead. And it feels devastating. And you know, I think this something else, especially around church, we can even lose our idea of God. Maybe sometimes that's a wrong idea, which is a good thing, but you know, if you've built your whole faith and what you understand about life through the way theology, if you like, a way that you respond to God and believe, and then you have to challenge that and something means that you, you look at that again, that, that can be painful, that can be difficult, because you've had security in that, and it hurts, loss hurts like mad sometimes, and it's your pain, isn't it? You know, um, 10 years ago, just over 10 years ago, um, I lost my best friends, she was like a sister to me. Uh, We were like kindred spirit and, um, yeah, real sort of soul sister, really close friend. And one day we were doing life together, and the next day, that was it. She died. She was gone. No preparation, no sign, just gone. And I remember somebody in the church that we were in back then getting a bit cross with me. He was really quite annoyed. had a little go at me because when he heard me talking about the pain of of the loss that I felt, the grief. He said, whoa, 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 He He thought I was comparing that to the pain of losing a child. Okay? So there was another family in the church. They'd lost a child to a cot death quite a number of years before. And he thought I was comparing. And um, the point was... And the point still is, the pain that I felt was my pain. I'd lost my friend and that hurt. And that's, that's how it is. Yeah, I still haven't lost a child. I don't know what that pain feels like. But I know what loss feels like. And I'm sure we all do. So what do we do? How do we healthfully respond to these incredibly Painful emotions. The obvious place in the Bible, um, the incredible uh, picture we have in the Bible of loss, is in a book called Job. And now, Job, if you don't know, is this guy who is really, really good in the t- in terms of his obedience to God. He loves God. He is an innocent man. He serves God really, really well. Um, And the devil comes along and says, yeah, but, you know, everything's going on for him. It's all great. It's marvelous. If he was to lose things, he wouldn't follow you, God. So the devil is allowed to sort of put this to the test. And hopefully we've got um, this extract I just want to look at now from, from Job. So Satan... Retorted. So, do you think Job does all that out of the sheer goodness of his heart? Why? No one ever had it so good. You pamper him like a pet. Make sure nothing bad ever happens to him or his family or his possessions. Bless everything he does. He can't lose. Just skipping a few verses. Sometime later, while Job's children were having one of their parties at the home of the oldest son, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys grazing in the field next to us. When Sabine's attacked, they stole the animals and killed the field hands. I'm the only one to get out alive and tell you what happened. While he was still talking, another messenger arrived and said, Bolts of lightning struck the sheep and the shepherds and fried them, burned them to a crisp. I'm the only one to get out alive and tell you what happened. and just, it gets worse. In the end, Job loses everything. So he's really, really wealthy man as well as being a good man. Loads of stock, you know, livestock, assets, amazing. And his children, he had 10, he lost them all. His wife is like, Joe, what are you doing? Just, you know, blame God, curse God and just die. You know, <laughs> you're gonna be a lot better off just dead than going through this misery. This is Job's response, we're told. He got to his feet, ripped his robe, shaved his head, then fell to the ground and worshipped. Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I'll return to the womb of the earth God gives. God takes. God's name be ever blessed. Not once through all this did Job sin. Not once did he blame God. Quite incredible, really. Um... I want to just ask you a few questions, does he say, thank you God, rejoice, praise God, this is all marvellous, I love suffering, whoa, thank you, praise God, does he say, not a big deal. Does he say, well, yeah, I know I've lost everything, but actually some other people are worse than me, so I don't mind. Does he say, ah, but now at least I've no one to be dependent. Um, sorry, no one to be responsible for, you know, and I don't have to look after this family now and um make sure they've got enough to eat. Huh. No. Does he say? It's all my fault. It's all my fault. It must be my fault. I've done something wrong somewhere. I must have done something wrong. Or it was her fault. She, she's obviously done something wrong. Or what about those workers? They didn't look after their animals well enough. It must be them. Or, or God, he made the weather come and ruined the crops. No, he didn't actually do any of those things. He didn't pretend that it didn't happen. He didn't sort of minimize it and sort of say, mm, it's not that bad. He didn't say, oh, sorry, we need the next slide. Sorry, Chris, got some pictures. Um, yeah, he didn't sort of get in a box and pretend, uh, deny, it's not happening. Didn't distract from what was going on or use a bit of humor. We didn't blame other people, find excuses. Let's have a look at what he did do on the next slide. He absolutely and categorically did not do any of those other things, but he absolutely went mad in the sense that he ranted and he raved, he shouted, he was upset you know, it it gets loud, guys. It gets loud. I'm sure this is said loud. Um, Why does God bother giving light to the miserable? Why bother keeping bitter people alive? Those who want in the worst way to die and can't. Who can't imagine anything better than death? Who count the day of their death and burial the happiest day of their life? What's the point of life when it doesn't make sense? When God blocks all the roads to meaning. Instead of bread, I get groans for my supper Then leave the table and vomit my anguish. The worst of my fears has come true. What I've dreaded most has happened. My repose is shattered. My peace destroyed. No rest for me ever. Death has invaded me. So he didn't respond how very often we respond to these difficult things. But he is real. He's absolutely real, isn't he? Um, He acknowledges what is going on. He sort of says, yeah, that is what is going on. This is awful. This is bad, guys. And I'm here to say to you today, that is okay. That is an okay response to start with, isn't it? That's what he does. He says, this is real. And, you know, we could go off here, and I did go off here, actually, when I was preparing to talk about this, about why we do this and why we find it so hard to um, to cope with these difficult things and look at sort of the response from Job's comforters, those awful friends. But that's a talk for another time, or maybe I'm going to sort of unpack that a little bit more at the retreat. little um, plug for the retreat there. Um, But yeah, there'll be more time to really think about what goes on. Why Why is that so difficult? Why is losing so hard? Is there something in there about lack of control and wanting to actually play God? Yeah, because it means, doesn't it, we can't have or do or be everything. That's what loss really does to us, that's how it crushes us. Which leads us on to point number two, which is, if you remember, in life, we're limited. We've got a little advert, hopefully, that'll um, play. Mm -mm. Okay, no sound. (laughs) there any way to get the sound or shall we just skip this Chris because it's fine okay you can do anything wrong you can't do anything i hate that advert <laughs> yeah i hate that advert on lots of levels not just the message that is being pumped out of that that you can do anything but i, I hate the busyness of it and those eyes and um it just makes me feel so tired watching it uh, it's exhausting um I can do anything wrong, so totally wrong. You know, even Jesus was limited. He, he, didn't, he couldn't do everything, and it didn't do everything. He had to leave um, heaven. He had to leave that sort of sense of being with God and having all knowledge, and he had to become a finite person. That means his life was going to end on earth because he became a human and then he had to wait. He was limited in that he couldn't just get on with the job that he'd come to do. You know, he's like 18, that goes past, it's 20. He's like 30 in his early 30s before he actually gets about teaching, healing. Doing the things that God sent him for. You know, if it was me, I'd be there. Oh, I'm 18 now. Come on, God, I must be ready by now, I must be old enough, 21, coming of age now, God. Surely it's time. No. Jesus was limited whilst he was on the earth. And Job had to accept his limits. He had to accept that he wasn't God. And it's a humbling thing. That's what we read. We'll come to the end of Job in a little while and we'll see his response. But it's actually quite humbling when we realize we are limited and yet we hate to be limited. The world, if you don't believe me, just look at all the adverts and everything. It's telling you that you can be, you can do everything. But we know we're made equal but God's not given us the same talents. Some of us don't have the same things that other people have, and that's the reality. Um, for me, <laughs> you know, the number one top challenge that I seem to keep facing in my life is an addiction to busyness, and um, I've kind of learned and grown as grown as a person to some extent, I'm aware of that Um, I'm much better at boundaries and being able to say no, there was a time when I was certainly first married my mother-in-law would hold up such a thing from the rummage sale and another thing and do you like this, will you have this oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, hated most of them, but I found it really hard to say no I'm better with that but I'm still find myself losing peace because I I just, I'm too busy. I get too busy. What is all that about? Why does it keep happening? And when things keep happening, I kind of ask myself, well, God, you're still trying to teach me something here. I'm not having this same challenge because it's sorted. You obviously, it's, I'm still, you know, you're still trying to get me to understand. So I'm on a journey there, but that is real for me. That's still something that I'm so not there with. And I know it's, it's not right. I get headaches, real headaches. I get tension headaches. So why? And I'm, I'm asking God. And God's asking me, Karen, why can't you not just embrace the limitations that I give you? Because they're there to help you but we find it hard. (laughs) We find it hard. Something again that is just, oh, but I want to be able to do it all. I want to be like God. Let's have a look at John the Baptist. There's a great example in the life of John the Baptist of, of this, of accepting limitation. So John the Baptist has been the guy. He's been talking about Jesus coming, the Messiah coming. And people have been listening to him. He's been baptizing them. He's got these followers. And then Jesus comes to town. And all these followers, new guy on the block. They're following Jesus now. And the the followers, the fans, if you like, of, of John are like, aren't you upset? Aren't you upset? And John replies, no, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater. And I must become less and less. So we can see in John that he knew. He knew who he was. He knew he was the guy to prepare the way. It's like the, um, what do you call it in the gig? The warm-up act, if you like. He knew he was coming first. But there was purpose in that. On its own. He also knew that his time was limited. He was preparing the way and then he was going to move over and let Jesus come and, and teach. And he was contented to do that because he knew what he was there for. He knew and he accepted the limitation on his life. I love that. I've got to be content, he says, doesn't he, to become less so that God can become more says Jesus but that's I think that's true for us for us to relinquish some of that wanting to do it our way for me, for me to relinquish and let go of doing it my way so that God is bigger in my life what about you? what about you? are there things that you can't Say no to. What is it that you can't say no to? Yeah, there's a meeting. Put me on that rotor. Yeah, I'll go to that prayer meeting. I'll go to this one. I'll yes, I'll come and help you um, move your stuff. Yes, I'll take you to this um, train or whatever appointment on this errand. Yes, 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 all the time, yes. When actually killing us. It's killing you. You're not ever stopping. There's no rest. Maybe there's even things that you're not able to do because you're saying yes over here all the time. There is a freedom, I believe. This is the good news. There is a freedom in embracing actually our limits. Knowing who we are And who God is. And we had that song, didn't we, last week, where it just kept repeating, you are, you are, you are. Talking about God and focusing on who God is. So if we can sort of climb off our thrones and shake off our egos and stop trying to please people, other people. And actually be with God. Listen to his voice. What if, maybe if we do those things, what if God can enlarge us? What if he can transform us like he did Job? So that's the third point. In, through life, if we allow this to happen, some of that loss and some of that limitation and learning how to deal healthily with those things can grow us as people, transform us. What if we could grieve like Job, not deny them, not pretend, but grieve them? Yeah? Say yes, that's happening or that happened. Maybe it's still happening. That's hard. Acknowledge and accept. Not like. You still might not like it. But then let go. And even, even, what if God could use that? What if God could bless us even in that difficult emotion? Even in those difficult things? Because the end of Job, I think, is just amazing. Um, I need my Bible. John said, Don't put anything heavy on this. So let's just see if it's going to collapse. No. Job responds to God in the end by saying, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You asked, Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. You said, that's Job talking to God, you said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said and sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. And then afterwards, what I noticed when I read this, and it's really not stood out to me before, but God changes the way that He talks to Job. He says he's angry with those friends. But look how he refers to Job. He says, "I am angry with your two friends, for, um, with you and your two friends, for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has." So take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you, and I will accept his prayer on your behalf. I will not treat you as you deserve, for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. And I don't know about you, but what I really heard, what was coming strong through to me when I read that again was a closer relationship. My servant, Job, it's almost like you can hear him saying, oh, I just love this guy. And there was just a new intimacy. And um, yeah, that, that's sort of the enlarge your soul. It's, it's a hard thing. We're talking about hard things, but what if we let God do that for us. What I want to uh, finish with is just reading you something that I found (laughs) on a little bit of paper in my Bible as I was preparing. I I read it through. I thought, oh, I think that's where I need to finish on Sunday. So it's something I wrote back I'll tell you now. Saturday the 29th of December 2018, midnight. I was obviously up and not sleeping uh, which is not like me. Uh, So I really feel these are words that I should share. Please don't hear that I am sorted in all of this and I hope that you'll hear through this that that is not the case but I think it sort of encompasses what I'm trying to say what the message is that God wants us to get this morning. The enlarging our soul bit. Here we go. It also relates to the, the loss, the grief that I, I told you about um, 10 years ago. Uh, the friend who's called Karen, so car. Car, it's 10 years nearly exactly to the day. What a wonderful few days in Stirling. The promise and hope of a new year lay ahead. The reflection of life lived, experiences shared and relationships forged. Most didn't understand how precious was our bond, didn't know how deep went the affection. We had not had that long, there weren't decades of memories, but sometimes there doesn't have to be for connection to be made. Course, time has moved on, as surely it always will. Yes, I learned to live again without you, and yes, God has brought me new friendships, new adventures, new blessings. I'm thankful. I'm aware of their presence, the richness they bring, and I'm lucky I know. But there's a place in my heart still for you. Scar tissue that's evidence of the pain I once felt and the healing that had to take place. It did. Ten years on, that place still aches from time to time. It exists and it is real. And the healed tissue proves it, makes me remember, and lets me know that you'll always be part of me. And I'm glad. And so I'm not gonna, re- gonna really say anything more to add to that. Um, if I could invite the band to come back up. I read this this week maturity in life is living within your god given limits so as the band are going to play in a few minutes i just want to to challenge you to challenge us all and ask you how is god challenging you to respond to him this morning do you simply need to hear and know the truth that your pain is real and it happened or it's happening still. And maybe that's just the response you have today to just... So if uh, you have been... um,